What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You are listening to MMA Daily, the station where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at WG on TV. I am joined by the always lovely Miss Kayla Beatty. Hey, G. Hey, fight fans. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm doing very well. It's been a busy week. I have not had a day off since I got back from... (laughs) Oh, San Jose on Sunday, so it's been a little exhausting, but that's the MMA world. You can't complain. What about you? Grinding. Yeah, I feel the same way, so I I feel like I can hear it in both of our voices that we're a little tired, but that's how dedicated of MMA fans and reporters that we are. We're still going to push through and do a show, because I want to hear about the inside scoop that you have from being at the fight night. Yes, so the big one coming out, you guys have probably heard about it, Nate Diaz and the incident with Clay Guida at Combate Americas. Like I said on last week's show, I was going to be covering it live. So, Kayla, put it, all right, you agree. What you have heard about the story is that there was an incident where Nate slapped Clay Guida current Ultimate Fighter contestant Tyler Diamond got involved, and then there was some sort of altercation, correct? That's what I had heard, yes, or read. Okay, well, let me tell you exactly why it got so out of hand. Do you remember the Strike Force brawl where Nick got in the cage after Jake Shields won, and he got into a fight with Mayhem Miller and all this? Yes, of course. Classic. Let, let, let me tell you something. This felt like that level if you got to see it live the fact is it didn't happen inside the cage and when i've looked there's not a lot of social media footage so let me set the scene for you (laughs) um the televised card was over with they were doing more like if you've been to bellator there's kind of like these post prelims you know there's just fights for fans to fill up the time you know for the price of admission and this fight gets done um they announce the decision, and the fighters are still inside the cage. They are still in the process of just organizing everything. The next fight, if you've been to these shows, the guy is already standing, you know, with his corner, waiting to walk out. They're just literally waiting for them to enter the cage and then press play on the music. And right cage side, um, not, I guess, with the corner, right outside the barricade, something starts going down. There's like some kind of fight happening. And at first you think, okay, it's just some kind of scuffle. And Kayla, the whole thing just keeps growing. Now, yes. And let me tell you something. We, this venue, it's not the Staples Center or whatever venue you're used to. It maybe holds uh, around 2000 people when it's maxed out. I want to say they hung out around a thousand Half the venue went over to obviously what's, see what's going on. The other half just was trying to get out of there because this whole thing starts escalating. Oh, my I gosh. I did not personally see Diaz or anyone, but it gets so out of hand. Um, the guys can't walk out of the cage because there's so much commotion is starting to take over. They can't get these guys out. And one guy, he's still holding ice. He's been pretty beat up. So you have that situation going on. The fighter who's looking to walk out, he doesn't know what's going on. It's like this commotion. 
um, security really has to get in there and it just turns into this chaos. Now, on the side, you start seeing some other stuff. One of the ring girls, and I'm not talking like, you know, after the fact. I mean, she's still just stuck in her bikini and swimsuit. She's got to go over to the medic. Something happens to her. Oh, wow. Yes. You had the CEO of the um, promotion, Campbell McLaren. He has to get up on the table. He gets the microphone and he's calling for peace and... Put it this way. Imagine Dana White having to, you know, Poor table. he's such and, a sweet old man, too. Yeah, he's calling and he's saying stuff like, you know, he's aware that he's running a Hispanic MMA promotion. So he's saying in the, um, I'm going to use the phrase, most Caucasian voice, tranquilo, tranquilo, calm down. He's saying stuff <laughs> like, guys, we're here for Mexico versus USA, not Sacramento versus Sacramento. And so eventually um, they are able to get it under control, but many people were involved when you looked closer to it. It wasn't just two people. There was some kind of entourage. The inside scoop, I can tell you, Kayla, you know, from my sources. <laughs> yes, the Nate Diaz thing was part of the story. Nate Diaz did do some stuff with uh, Clay but it was actually a member of his entourage who did some big damage reportedly um, from what I've been told. He's the one who just flat out just cracked Clay Guida um, out of nowhere with some real, you know, that did some real damage. And of course you had Clay Guida, Team Alpha Male is there, Uriah Faber and some others are there. Nate is there with some teammates and yes, you know, his crew and that's why, you know, you had so many people involved and why it got out of hand and got to the level it did. But I could tell you, you know, you had fighters, you know, they, you know, essentially all the production stopped. They are streaming live on Facebook and all of it just, as I understand it, came to a halt. It was really just about um, a 20 minute thing. It was quite the experience and. Yeah, so, you know, it wasn't just they had a little scuffle in the stands. This was something that literally affected this entire fight card and these guys who were competing. Yeah, well, that's unfortunate that other people that weren't trying to be involved, you know, were injured or just shooken up from the event um, and that it stopped fights from happening. But I think that, you know, the Diaz fans are strong. So if anyone had an idea that they could be on Team Diaz for the night, I know for sure there's fans that would jump in and probably swing. Um, But yeah, I'm just interested to see what happens. I haven't looked on, um, like, checked the news lately to see what the um, update is on the case, but very interesting. I'll tell you some irony. The next night, Nate was also in San Jose at Bellator. (laughs) <laughs> and I was said to be like, hey, Nate, what happened last night? Um, yeah, you know, it, it was just quite a lot. He had a teammate that he was supporting, and that particular fighter did not do very well in their fight. So um, I don't know. I know there was a lot of emotion going. We know that Nate and Clay Guida have fought before years ago where Clay won, so... Who knows exactly why it escalated, but it definitely, um, this became quite the scuffle. 
you know, it wasn't just two guys. A lot of people, it really did affect several people there in the venue. But Trauma, trauma, trauma. I know, but that's what makes our job so much fun. <laughs> but Kayla, there was some other action going on. Should we get right into it for UFC 224 from Rio in Brazil? Amanda Nunes versus Raquel Pennington. Um, we'll talk about the finish um, definitely in a moment. But Kayla, to get it started, Amanda Nunes really just looked dialed in. I mean, for those five rounds... Um, just really felt like she had every answer for Raquel. I felt like her striking was just on point. She was able to get in and out. She was able to attack with more volume, and she was able to get out of the way and defend whenever Raquel would counter. Just a brilliantly executed game plan. And also, Kayla, her cardio. Um, She was putting on a pace that made me a little worried because I felt like Raquel was going to you know, be well-conditioned, but Amanda's cardio, she fought a great pace for five rounds. I think that was the most impressive to me because she looked very fresh coming out of that one where she did a lot of action. What did you think of her performance? Well, I'm so bummed because I wasn't able to catch UFC 224 and my usual friend that I shares the fights that I get to watch later and keep up with, um, I wasn't able to catch any of the 224. Um, I think maybe I saw a couple of the prelims. So I don't know. I'm hoping that eventually, um, you know, they'll stream this, I don't know, either on Fox or, or somewhere that, that I can actually watch the performance because I did a lot of reading on the fight since I wasn't able to watch them. And just like you were saying, adding to what you, um, you know, just said, a lot of people um, just talked about her as a champion and how she clearly is putting in the work and taking this title seriously and continuing to evolve as a fighter. And, you know, there's a reason why Raquel voiced that she wanted out of there. She must have been, con- you know, not shocked, but just surprised at, like you said, the conditioning and just, um, you know, movement of Amanda Nunes. You should have told me I bought the pay-per-view on Fight Pass. Oh, my God. Okay, well, maybe I can watch it after this weekend when I get past Epic Fighting. Because I still want to watch all of these fights. I was so bummed that I couldn't find them. I've been looking for a few days now. Yeah, this is, oh, my God. Well, the thing expires on Fight Pass after, like, two days. But, oh, great. Um, <laughs> oh, my. You know, I was going to text you, too, but then I didn't want to be like, you know, Gabriel, like, got it, you know? So. <laughs> no, this is what we need to do when it's crazy busy weekend like this. We should just both, like, split and do halfers. That way we can at least, um, you know, watch them and be up to date for our show. But you anyways. Know <laughs> we, you know, you and I got to communicate. You see, this is what happens when you start doing a long-distance MMA marriage. You stop <laughs> communicating. The communication. <laughs> yes, we need to open this back up. You know, we need to we need to improve. I don't think we need counseling, babe, but I think we just need to, <laughs> oh, you know, we need to sit down. We need to have some fro-yo. We need to, like, talk out so we could get back dialed in. Do you agree? Okay, yes. Let's work on this. All right. But, um, now, nah, look, uh, so, uh, great performance. Um, I think that it played out exactly how a lot of people did. Uh, Amanda Nunes was just more dangerous than Raquel at the end of the day. Um, not to discredit Rocky's toughness, but now, of course, that 
fifth round that everyone is talking about. So by now, um, Raquel has said that um, she fully agrees with her corner. She agrees with the decision. She agrees with the move they made. So I don't want to elaborate on that because I think that that is exactly what everyone needed to hear. Like, if you're Raquel, like, do you feel like they threw you under the bus? And by now you guys have seen the clip. Um, I'm sure you have or at least read about it. Raquel, between rounds four and five, is telling her corner, I'm done. Um, Essentially, I don't want to go back out there. And her corner just essentially gives her the pep talk. They don't give her any technical advice. They just kind of tell her to rally herself and go back out there for that fifth round. Um, After that, Amanda Nunes just really pours it on, cracks Raquel's face, breaks her nose. She starts bleeding profusely. And then she's really done, just eats some solid shots from Amanda before the ref stops it. Kayla, to me, um, the finish looked bad. Like, when she tells you, I don't want to go back out there, they send her out there, and then she just gets finishing the way she did. It looked bad. Let's say it like it is, just when you're watching it. Now, um, something I've been reading, the corner knows exactly what's inside Raquel. They know if for sure she's done. They know her when she's, you know, in the middle of training, being pushed to her limits and everything. They are supposed to have the perspective. I think that Raquel speaking out says that, you know, look, that moment, even though it's televised, it's supposed to be a very private, very intense thing with the athlete and her coach. So I think that if she knows to trust her corner, if they say you do have it in you, I think she knows that to believe them and to try to get herself back in it or try to finish that fifth round. So the fact that she spoke out, I don't have a problem with the corner. I think the corner maybe, I would like to see them say that, you know, I guess acknowledge the fact that it didn't end the way they wanted it to, but certainly they, you know, they just have to address that they are aware it looked bad because that's the one thing I think everyone is hung up on. But I think that if Raquel says she trusted the corner, it should be a non-issue in this case. What about you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have different opinions, but I think that every fighter is different. Every team works differently. And, you know, on one side, people are saying, okay, well, they didn't want her to regret throwing in the towel. Some people look at that as quitting and giving up, giving up on yourself, giving up on the chance that it was for a title. Um, we've seen these, you know, crazy things happen in MMA where someone for some reason comes back and gets the finish. On the other hand, she took maybe unnecessary damage, but I think, like you said, the fact that she's come out and spoken out and said, I feel good about the decision me and my team made, then that's where it's left. She's able, it's her life, it's her career, um, you know, so if she did take more damage that, you know, affects her health later, she's saying that she's fine with it. So, um, you know, it's just, it's, I know it's, um, people have their opinions on and some people think the towel should be thrown in sooner, but um, it's hard. It's case by case, I think. Uh, If I'm being honest, I didn't think it was a towel thrown in kind of round. Um, She was losing, but it wasn't, for example, the fight between Valentina and Priscilla. Um, 
that be like I said, it just looked bad. Uh, I think you got to call it for what it is. Um, they rolled the dice to throw Raquel, or sorry, to propel Raquel back out there, and it just ended the way it did. I think that's just the fight game sometimes. Sometimes you do, like, not just fighting, but life. You get out there, you're tired, you probably shouldn't, you know, go into work for that double shift. You probably shouldn't, you know, try to wake up and do whatever, but you do it and you come up short. Sometimes these things happen. I think you can't, um, you know, put it all on the corner. I mean, they made the decision. It just didn't work out. But yeah, it was certainly, um, look, great performance for Amanda Nunez. Kayla, real quick before we move on to Jacare and Kelvin, what could be next for Amanda? So I think we've narrowed it down to probably two things, and we've talked about it a lot in the last um, month or two since we've been waiting for the fight. I think that you have Megan Anderson fighting Holly Holm in Chicago. I think if something happens, uh, first, if Megan wins and something keeps Amanda from it, I think we will see Megan Anderson fight Chris Cyborg. If not, I've said this several times, they are not signing enough featherweights for me to believe that they are actually trying to build the division. I feel like Megan Anderson is a great addition, but I think they brought her in for just a super fight, or they want to see what happens before they continue building. I think that... Amanda might get the super fight with Chris Cyborg first. They just haven't announced it. And Megan Anderson gets the next one. Or she waits on the sidelines if Chris Cyborg gets injured. Or, sorry, if um, uh, Amanda Nunes gets injured. In the event that somehow that doesn't happen, people just get so hyped for Megan versus Chris, I think that we're going to see Amanda versus... um, Man, I'm so tired. Oh, Ketlin Vieira. I'm sorry. I was tired. I blanked out on her name. But mm-hmm. I think at 135, there's no one left for Amanda besides Ketlin. She's just the only contender left. What about you? Yeah. No, I, you know, I wasn't for the Amanda and Chris super fight when they first announced the rumor of it because I felt like there was still some fights that the ladies needed to, like a couple more title defenses or at least one more. So now I'm a little bit more for it, and especially the way that Amanda performed. You know, we see that Chris is evolving, um, showing her her cardio that she can go into those champion rounds, and now Amanda's proved that too, um, you know, with her few title defenses that she's had her last couple. So I'm all for the super fight. Because, um, yeah, I, I, I think we've talked about this so many times. I... I know that I eventually want to see Megan and Chris fight, but I don't really want it to be Megan's first fight in the UFC. I want that to, that story to build. So um, I for sure am a fan of the super, fu- super fight. I also like the Ketlin idea. I think that she's amazing as well and growing as a fighter. I kind of would like to see one more fight of hers before she gets a title shot, but at the same time, um, you know, like you said, that division just um, – you know, there's not a, a, as many contenders for Amanda, so it might be that she just gets the young new girl running through. Yeah, and I think um 135, it's just a weird thing. I mean, you would think if not Ketlin, well, you're looking at either Holly Horn or Jermaine Durandamy. The fact is, Holly's, you know, getting these opportunities at 145, big fights that she's taking. 
Jermaine, um, the, they're just not going to set up Jermaine for a title shot. And her inactivity is also concerning to me at this uh-huh. time. Um, I don't want to say it's because of the public perception, but it certainly doesn't look good either. So um, Ketlin kind of just gets there on the strength of process of elimination. It's not that she hasn't taken out solid girls. It's just that the quote-unquote stars of the division aren't really there to get in her way right now. Valentina Shevchenko moved down in weight to flyweight already. So really, you know, she's fighting the best competition that's available. It's just a weird time at Bantamweight. Um, like I said, look, the UFC, they're in a win-win with Amanda Chris Cyborg because big fight, but if Amanda loses, what, what does it matter? You still have a 135 champion mm-hmm. or you have an even bigger star than ever. You get to have a super fight, you know, with Chris or sorry, um, with a champion versus champion. I think it's just, an, you know, a win-win situation overall. You still have Megan Anderson down the line when you get there. Moving to the co-main event, Kayla, I wish, you know, I could, like, give you my eyes so you could have seen this one. I know. This is the one I'm the most mad about that I can't find. Well, let me paint another picture for you. Jacare <laughs> versus Kelvin Gastelum. Kayla, round one. Jacare gets Kelvin on the ground, and it was like barbecue chicken. He just did whatever he wanted. Gets in mount, ground and pound, goes for submissions. Kelvin defending, not taking the most damage, but he was not winning that round by any means. Just solid 10-9 for Jacare. Jacare mm. also landed some good shots on the feet. He just found his rhythm and distance earlier. Round two, Jacare slows down a little bit, and Kelvin kicks it into the next gear. He starts landing more, getting in and out of the way. He was taking a few shots, but he wore them well. He wasn't looking staggered, and then he starts just cracking Jacare. He drops him. Suddenly, Kelvin's in it after round two. Round three, Jacare has an, a good start, but it's still close. It, he wasn't doing anything dramatic. He was touching Kelvin more than I think Kelvin was touching him, but it was still close. And then in the end of the round, Kelvin just had a stronger finish. Just Jacare not landing enough. Kelvin more active, more volume. It was a close round. I personally scored that last one, though, for Kelvin. I was surprised that he wore those shots as well as he did. It looked like Jacare just got a little tired. Undoubtedly hurt from that second round where Kelvin just got him clean. Um, and we saw it. Split decision. One judge had it. Two rounds to one for Jacare. The other two, 2-1, two, Kelvin Gastelum for the upset in Rio. Just, I mean, you've probably read enough about it. What did you think? Of, what do you think about Kelvin pulling this one off? Yeah, I think the, you know, main thing that I read or got the, from the majority of the recaps um, is that people felt like Jacques Ray, like maybe Kelvin freaked him out a little bit. They said that he just didn't go in there with the composure that you would expect out of someone, you know, as experienced as Jacare. And they felt like maybe he gassed a little bit. It's hard for me to like talk about the fight because I didn't get to watch it myself. But um, yeah, I don't know if that's something that you felt like maybe Kelvin being this, 
new guy coming in and facing some of these, you know, veterans, maybe he went in there with a little bit, not more confidence, but maybe more confidence than Jacare thought and kind of messed with his head a little bit, or maybe it just wasn't his night. But that was um, the majority of what I read or, or, or saw is that people just didn't feel like it was the same Jacare in there. I think that um, Jacare gassed out much faster than I expected. I feel like I've seen him fight three rounds fresher. Um, I think it was a combination of cardio. He says he has a bad weight cut. He's not the kind of guy to just throw that out there. So I feel like that is um, part of it. Yeah, but also Kelvin, look, he had a great performance. He he went in there with a good guy and he held his own, um, a much bigger middleweight. Um, You just got to give him credit. Uh, Kayla, is Kelvin the next contender for Robert Whitaker or Yoel Romero for the title? You know, I think that Kelvin has been facing some top guys and performing well. If you, I mean, just hearing you talk about it, that he had a great night and performed well, took those shots. So, um, let me see. Let me look at the rankings to see where everybody's at. But I definitely think that if not, Next, he's for sure in line to get that title shot within a fight or two. What do you think? I think so. Um, Usually I'd say Luke Rockhold kind of is still right there, but Luke looks like he's committed to moving up to light heavyweight. So um, he took out that last hurdle. Um, uh, You're on the streak you're on. You beat a guy like Jacare at a time when Jacare is still dangerous. Um, by process of elimination, there's no one left. I think Kelvin proved he's ready for that title. And after Yoel Romero, or maybe, you know, just if Yoel takes the belt, there's really no one left at middleweight right now who's kind of on that on that swing. I think Kelvin has just really gotten himself to that spot on the back of being persistent and a good time in the middleweight division. And he's just been super active, too. So you can throw that, you know, in their... Um against Luke Rockhold. I feel like, yes, he's hopped around, you know, the two divisions, but he's been pretty active. Yeah, I think He that, fought three times in 2017. Yeah, I think that just, um, you know, I think Luke's just committed to moving up, so I think that you got to just go with Kelvin. If something happens, maybe Luke will be like, you know what, I get to fight for the middleweight title. Yeah, I could go back to 185. I just don't see that happening right now. Moving on to the main card. This one a little bit quicker for us to get through. Mackenzie Dern just throttles Amanda Cooper. Um, Kayla, just Amanda doing all right, but then Mackenzie, I I think she, okay, let me tell you a story. Do you remember that time we were at that event and you were right next to me and this one ring girl was like, hey, I'm a big fan of MMA. You seem like a smart guy. I would love to be your partner on an MMA podcast. (laughs) And do you remember how you just cracked her and just went full Damian Maya on her, choked her out? Um, I think that you're just talking about one of the dreams you had last week, but sure, go ahead. Well, that's what it looked like with Mackenzie Dern, Kayla. Kayla, it's okay to just you know, it doesn't have to be a secret. It's all right. But um, no, she just throttled her, cracks Amanda, has her hurt immediately. You know, Amanda goes down. Mackenzie follows, gets the mount, 
ground and pound, takes the back, chokes her out, calls it a night. Just she needed to look impressive after the weight cut fiasco, and she did it. It was very just great performance. Um, I think that she's still growing. What does she got to do now to get back the fans' trust after this bad weight cut? Yeah, so this was actually a fight that I was able to find. And I was a little disappointed. I feel like Amanda Cooper, the last time we saw her, she was almost a little too eager. But I loved the tenacity that we saw. And in this case, I feel like she was a little too hesitant um, and should have put some pressure on a little bit faster. But it's hard going in against Mackenzie Dern, who clearly was the heavier fighter, who clearly is very dangerous if she can get you on the ground. Um, yeah, you know, I, I've read something that Dominic Cruz came out and had some opinions about how he felt like it was it's the same as cheating. If you go into fight week and you're that, you know, that much heavier, um, I, I don't know. I think the UFC and her team and her just need to be more realistic now. You clearly can't make that weight. There's another division that needs some contenders in there. So, you know, just accept it. I don't know why she wants to hold on to a weight, um, you know, weight class or, or, or size that just clearly isn't her natural weight. I think more people would respect her there. Um, yes, I think that she has a lot of pressure being this name. Um, but this is also why we've discussed, like, was it too soon for her to jump into the UFC? Should she have maybe, um, gotten some more experience on smaller promotions and not even just to, um, you know, get the experience of fighting in the, in the cage or octagon, but for stuff like this, of making weight, of, uh, preparing yourself for media and fight week and everything else that comes with the grand stage of the UFC. Yeah. I think that a really, um, I think it's one of two things. Either move up to flyweight and just do what you can, do work. I mean, clearly it's worked for Kelvin Gastelum. Or, you know, rumors are that she doesn't like to do as much of the extra work um, in training as ter- in terms of the diet and, you know, maintaining your weight, probably doing a little extra workouts when you're not in camp. Um, look, if she's serious about this, I think, you know, it's just like any other athlete in the UFC. You got to maintain your weight between fights, have the right team around you to prepare you. Um, yes, she's not with uh, the MMA lab. She's now in California. Um, I don't think she's in that to be a dirty fighter, you know, with everything that happened. I think that, um, sad but true, I think she just didn't take it. Uh, I don't. I don't think she. I think she cut corners, plain and simple. I think she cut corners and thought she could put it together at the end. She clearly failed. So I think that on the next one, she just has to, just to just be consistent. Now you want that off of you. You need to be consistent. Make your weight. Um, stay disciplined, and you'll get those fans back. But I don't think it was that it was done to cheat. I think she really just. I think she got lazy in the preparation on this one. A few things re- went wrong. That's why it was so drastic, in my opinion. I think when you get lazy in a job where you're fighting another human being, that's messed up. And that can be considered cheating in my eyes, too. You know, if, if you're working a job, that's like saying, you know, um, a heart surgeon. Oh, I, I was lazy last night. But I'm, you know, going and going to be working on, a, on saving another human's life or having the responsibility of having someone's life, you know, in your hands. 
maybe those comparisons are a little extreme, but at the same time, it's like you're fighting another human being. Like, let's play fair, stick to the rules. So um, I want to say she's she's on detention with me, and we'll see. I'll be more of a fan of hers if she can get her weight cut. And Kelvin, now I'm more of a fan of his and think he's deserving of a title shot since he's gotten his act together. I'm totally going to use that from now on. I <laughs> She's in that. detention. I love that so much. I, I love it. Um, no, just really. Um, so you're saying if Mackenzie asked to be my podcast partner, you'd be like, no, you are in detention. And then you took her out. <laughs> I'm not listening that day. Uh, as, I feel like if <laughs> Mackenzie did it, I think I've heard you've been training, Kayla. I think that you would fight for that honor. I feel like. <laughs> You, you don't like me to know you have this intensity, you know, and I think that's very adorable from you. Um, highlights from the main card, Vitor, um, Leota Machida shocked Vitor Belfort. Um, we're not going to talk about that one for time, but really, Leota Machida, I felt, was just dialed in. When I watched that fight, I feel like he knew he could do whatever he wanted, and he was just waiting for his picture-perfect shot to land. The now, you know, another one of those karate kids, the front kick similar to Anderson Silva, stops Vitor. Vitor, I think, is going to be all right. He's a smart man with a lot of endeavors, and I think we're going to see him hanging around the UFC world and MMA world for a long time. But congratulations to Vitor and on an amazing career. John Lineker with his hands beats Brian Kelleher. There was something we already know, a tough guy. And one of the top guys at Bantamweight. And Alexi Olenek with the voodoo, Kayla, gets another Ezekiel choke. I swear, like, he has, like, a voodoo doll of these guys and just gets that choke every time. Um, Just so difficult to pull off that move. And he does it again as a heavyweight. I just, I know you love that move. Just very impressive. So a fun night of fights in Rio. We've got to get Kayla the replay so she can enjoy it with the rest of us. <laughs> but Kayla, I was also on hand. Bellator 199, Ryan Bader and King Mo. Kayla, 15-second knockout. What do you even make of that? Yeah, pretty crazy. I mean, I guess it's silly for us to want these heavyweight Grand Prix fights to last all rounds because we all know that the heavyweight matches usually do end pretty, you know, are on the sooner side. Um, but yeah, I definitely wasn't expecting a 15 second knockout. Um, and it's a knockout that's enough to make King Mo, you know, uh, reevaluate which division he's going to fight in. Um, yeah, I don't know. Pretty crazy. It's, it's hard to even have much to say. I think that, uh, Ryan Bader's just in a place where, I don't know. There's something about there's a few people that have moved to Bellator. And I think making that move of just feeling, you know, happier and more comfortable in this promotion and obviously getting that title shot and becoming a champion. Like you could just tell his his mindset is in a great place. And he's probably putting that extra work in the gym, taking again, like Amanda Nunes or Chris Cyborg, taking his title very seriously. So I think he brought all of that into these heavyweight Grand Prix fights, too. Well, a funny thing, he told us at the post-fight press conference after, you know, a 15-second fight, he does say, like, well, obviously, you know, when you win that fast, you do wonder why you ran that extra mile and why did I give up that dessert that one day when it was that quick? So 
he did admit it's like, well, obviously sometimes you wonder why you did work so hard when you got it done that fast. But I agree. Look, in UFC, he was a he was a great fighter. You know, it's not like he was overlooked. But the fact is, he was in the UFC at the time when there's just so many killers. I mean, his r- record just speaks for itself. He's fought pretty much every top guy there is to fight at 205. And he held his own against so many of them. I think that's the thing about it is that now that he's in Bellator, um, is there as big of a concentration? Absolutely not. And you could argue that there's still more talented guys in the UFC. But the fact is, he, like you said, the mindset, he's just able to really showcase his skills and be appreciated. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think he's in a great place to continue you know, his career right now. Um, the Grand Prix is just set for the semifinals. Chael and Fedor, Ryan and Matt Mitrio now. I mean, you're really getting there. Of the two, I think this uh, upcoming fight between Matt and Ryan is going to be the most competitive. Mm-hmm. Obviously, um, they're friends. He talked about that a lot with us. But the fact is, you have probably the two best guys in the tournament now facing each other. It's going to be about how does Ryan use his smaller size and speed to get in on Matt and do what he needs to do. If you're Matt Mitrione, how do you approach it? Do you try to be the quicker guy or do you use your physicality? I think that's going to be the real question now. And then Chael and Fedor, anything can happen. But um, I guess what are your thoughts on that next round before we move on to the coming event? Yeah, I think like you said, we have the really great competitive fight between Bader and Mitrione. And then we have just two, um, you know, big names. And I mean, not that the other guys aren't big names, but obviously we have the big personality of Chael and then, you know, the legacy of Fedor. And I think that it's already funny to see Chael trying to get under Fedor's skin and get something out of him for his, you know, usual trash talk. But I think Chael looked really good in his first fight. Um, Fader obviously still has it, you know, um, so I, I'm excited just to see them compete, too. I think that that's going to be a more entertaining and competitive fight than most people are thinking. I think so. I got to say, um, I get the same expression on my face when we talk about Chael Fedor that I do for when people want to ask about CM Punk. <laughs> like, uh, like, I've already resigned myself that this is going to be a thing, but I just still don't like it. <laughs> um, it's going to be fun. Um, Scott Cooker told us that they'll be announcing some dates and some of those fights when, they're, when and where they're going to happen next week at Bellator 200 during the broadcast. So it should be something to look out for. Um, co-main event, Paul Daly, John Fitch. Paul Daly rallied himself in round one, but John Fitch did what he does rounds two and three and um yeah just dominates paul daly kayla what did you think of the fight and is he next for rory mcdonald yeah i mean i think he looks good for his bellator debut he showed that he still got it um you know he took the fight where he needed it to go to avoid the heavy hands of paul daly um i know that paul daly had strong opinions of it not being an exciting fight and you know, that was pretty entertaining when he started booing the fight himself and Cage. Um, but do I think John Fitch should get a title shot next? I don't know about that. 
Why do you think he should get a title shot next? Uh, process of elimination. Um, Rory has already beaten Paul. He's beaten um, uh, Douglas Lima, obviously, for the belt. I don't have Lorenz Larkin quite right there. I think I'm more interested in seeing these two top UFC guys rather than a fight with Lorenz right now. And okay. I think that makes it interesting. Um, I just don't see anyone else. Some inside scoops. So you had Paul Daly. He started talking to this guy named 50 Cent at the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cage side. After the fight, he was still irritated and said, look what matchups they do to me. Look what, you know, look how they treat me and so and so. But Scott Coker told us he is still interested in having Paul Daly with the promotion. This was Paul Daly's last fight in Bellator. So we will see what's next for him. Is UFC finally ready to bury the hatchet or is he just ready to? I think that's something to look out for. Um, fun fight, though. Czech Congo, first round KO of Javier Ayala. Crazy, just out of nowhere. Aaron Pico looked like a beast. He was so dialed in, Kayla. It was a fun one. I got to watch it. Uh, I saw AJ McKee right there and just congratulated the team. Really just a young kid, up and coming. I'm excited to see what's next for Czech Congo. I think he could even fight the winner of the tournament. That's what kind of run he's on. So mm-hmm. a lot of fun stuff from Bellator. Just really, um, we'll have more to talk about soon enough, I'm sure. Especially with the 200 card coming up next week. For sure. Um, MMA news. The big story. Eddie Alvarez versus, versus Dustin Poirier. Official for Calgary. The rematch. Um, by now, you guys know Dustin Poirier um, defeated Jim Miller, had the no contest where he was winning the fight with uh, Eddie. Then after that, he's got two wins, one over Anthony Pettis, then fight of the year over Justin Gaethje just this past month. Eddie Alvarez, only one fight, but he made a count against uh, Justin Gaethje as well. Gets the knockout in another fight of the year contender. I mean, Kayla, what are your thoughts on this fight going into it? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to find this one tweet of someone who just explained my feelings <laughs> perfectly. Um, I like, I just don't like how it all played out of the timing. Um, I think that Dustin Poirier, I feel like they should have played this fight back sooner. Like they should have immediately played this fight back just because of how the outcome. So, cause I just don't like where both guys are at right now. And I, especially with Dustin Poirier, I just think that he's been performing really well. Not that Eddie Alvarez, of course, like you said, had a great performance, but I almost feel like having to take a step back instead of moving forward and getting, you know, another, top guy if not title shot um let me see if i can find this tweet uh what do you think about the fight well i I agree um look dustin poirier didn't need eddie alvarez i feel like he had earned a title shot on the strength of that win over justin gaethje last month i love that fight it was one of the most fun fights you were you're ever gonna see um i think it was better than eddie's fight against justin to be honest Mm -hmm, Um, me too But uh, really, just Eddie, in my opinion, he rolled the dice. He thought he would get that title shot against Tony or Habib. It just played out that the circumstances didn't leave him in a position to step up for that fight. And now um, I think this is a sign that 
they are going somewhere else with the lightweight division. I think if Dustin Poirier was honestly confident that he would get the next shot at Habib, he would wait for it. I think he's earned it. I think this is a sign of other stuff, but it is a great, exciting fight. I'm ready for them to run it back. Um, I agree it should have been sooner, but you know what? What matters is we're getting it at a time when both of them look good. So I can get over that. Yeah, there's that's a good positive outlook because that's very true. Both guys are definitely in a, in a place where they're performing well. But I did find this, and this is something, because I feel like there's some points here that people aren't talking about. So he fought Eddie a year ago and didn't get the win bonus after he got hit by the illegal knee. But then Eddie went on to get the tough gig, which was pretty messed up. And now he's been asked to hold up for the title shot, um, you know, to see if Eddie wanted the rematch. Obviously, Eddie did take it. But, like, that's true. It's like, you know, after the way that that played out and then Eddie gets a shot on tough, like, just, you know, those are little things that, to me, I can see where Dustin Poirier is a little frustrated. And that's why I'm saying is I almost feel like they should have just immediately given them that that fight again. But um, we'll move in the more positive direction, like you just stated. Um, It's still going to be a very exciting fight and if anything there's just going to be more you know uh tension between both guys to where they want you know that um opportunity to jump ahead of each other i agree with that i see why you love that tweet i send it to me because i agree with it so much wholeheartedly also if you ask me though i think that's going to give them some extra heat to perform um Mm -hmm. and that just makes that so much more fun for a fight like this Kayla, let's say Conor McGregor does not end up coming back. Is this a title eliminator? Does the winner of this one get Habib no matter who else is doing what? I think so, yeah. Because, you know, you have a former champion. Um, They're both just looking great. I'm sure that they're both going to perform well here. So, um, of course, we have to wait to see the other circumstances going on to see how they perform. Um, but I can't imagine this fight be boring and that one of those guys doesn't get an amazing finish. So I think so. Yeah, I do too. I think they're just on that kind of run right now. I think that uh, Kevin Lee probably doesn't like hearing that, but I think that Kevin... You I know, think he needs just... one more fight before I want to see him with uh, um, Khabib. I completely agree. And uh, look, if one guy gets injured, I am okay if Kevin Lee steps up and gets in there too. But I think just on star power and momentum, they they are the ones taking out that legit top com- competition that's going to get there. So I think it's going to be a fun one. Um, yeah, we, we kind of want to know what's going on right about now in that lightweight division. We're kind of waiting on everything to fall. And I think we're getting close that we're going to have to know soon. Moving on, though, we have a UFC event coming up tomorrow. UFC Chile, I want to say it's the first time they've ever been there. And the main event, Damian Maya versus Kamaru Usman. Damian Maya says he only has four fights left, including this one. Kamaru, I want to say he's on a six-fight win streak. Just one of these surging top welterweights finally getting back in there. Kayla, can Damian Maya pull off the upset? Because a lot of people are already writing him off. And I must say, for good reason, Kamaru stylistically is a nightmare for him. Yeah, and I mean, I think it was against the cage, our friend Tony that shared a video recently of him and Michael Chandler um, rolling in the gym. And it was intense. 
Um, and it's crazy. I read something yesterday that Kamara Usman was calling out Damian Maya like I think a year or two ago. Um, so he's wanted this fight for a while, but I think this is a guy that is just freakishly athletic, obviously has a lot of potential there. Um, and okay. this is what makes me excited for this fight. I think that yes, Damian Maya has definitely not looked his best lately and especially against wrestlers. Um, but I almost wonder if a fight against Kamara Usman, like if it gets to the ground, if it's almost going to excite Damian Maya, like, Hey, I got a challenge here. Let me pull out some old tricks since I'm so skilled. Um, that's what I'm at least hoping for. I think that, um, it's going to be a good fight. The only thing that concerns me is, you know, we've heard Damian Maya already talk about he's thrown out that retirement uh, word. So I would hope that he wants to give us four amazing, great performances. But I do hope that that doesn't mean his mindset's checked out, that once he goes in there and feels the power of this up and comer, you know, hungry, hungry kid that he just kind of checks out. To me, I think that Damian Maya has to do something he doesn't usually do. He's got to be the aggressor. He's got to get in his face. He has to do everything he can to make Kamaru uncomfortable. He's got to push the volume, get him against the cage, try to take away his wrestling, and then make it harder for him to settle into a rhythm. From there, get it to the ground, find a way to get him down. Because if Damian Maya is as patient as he usually is, it's really Kamaru Usman's fight to lose. He's the one who was preparing for Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, the wrestling, the athleticism, the speed, all of that works to favor him. So I think, like you said, for Damian Maya, he's just got to find that extra fire. Could it be that he has a few fights left and he wants to prove it? Is it redemption for the Colby fight? Whatever it is, he's got to pull out something that we're not used to seeing out of him. If he could get the fight to the ground, he turns it into a different kind of ball game. But you also know Kamaru is ready for that. That's what makes this fight so intriguing going into it. So it's going to be tough. I am taking Kamaru um, to get it done around the third. But Damian Maya, you know, he's a veteran for a reason. What about you, Kayla? Um, predictions... Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I think that um, Kamaru's just, you know, that new evolved athlete. But I, I do think and I hope that we're going to see um, some intense performance on the ground between both men. So you think of Kamaru, though, at the end of the day? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's just, you know, it's a tough one for Damian Maya either way, especially stepping in on only a month's notice for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, the co-main event this one I really like this fight Alexa Grasso versus Tatiana Suarez Kayla when I think about this fight it's very similar to the fight we had with um, Ka- Karolina Kovalkiewicz and Felice Herrig um, Alexa Grasso great boxer very young athlete but you haven't really seen that she has that ground game she needs to face someone at the level of Tatiana But I feel like she could surprise us. Tatiana Suarez, very, very exciting fighter to me. She's just very long and powerful for the weight class, has a lot of size on her. I think that this could be a very fun fight. She's a very aggressive fighter, too. Um, Alexa Grasso, uh, let's say it like it is. She's a bit of the Mexican Paige Van Zandt, just very sweet girl, soft-spoken, um, but she's got skills behind her. I think it could be a fun fight. Uh, what do you think of this one? 
Yeah. I mean, we're getting two girls that are just, you know, these names that they're trying to build. And it's because we've seen potential in both of their fights. Um, I think that they both um, will give us a, a very high paced fight and are both looking to prove something. So, um, and yeah, you know, as far as Alexa Grasso, for sure, she has some stuff that she's needed to work on, but I do think that she's she and her team are aware of that. And from what I've read, she's been putting the work in the gym. So it's just going to be fun to see, you know, her challenged by someone like Tatiana Suarez. I mean, both are going to challenge each other, but it'll be fun just to see how she's evolved since we've last seen her. Um, but great co-main. Uh, I, again, I think that both of these fights, we're for sure going to see, you know, it's not going to be boring. We're going to see some action. Yeah, I mean, Alexa, uh, I was around her team at Combate Americas for Lisbeth Lopez Silva and Alejandra um, Lara, who's fighting Alima this coming um, month. A great team. I think people, they just don't have that big signature win yet, but they are a very tough, very good and well-run team. So Alexa will be prepared. I got to go with Tatiana, though, just wrestling and physicality. I think that she'll be in the face of Alexa, and the threat of the wrestling, I think, is going to be a little too much. I think that Alexa has to be even sharper than we've seen her, but I think Tatiana just has the skill set at this stage to get the W. I have her by decision. What about you? Yeah, I think she's going to be a little bit more of the aggressor, too, but I think it'll be a good fight. A necessary fight just for Alexa to continue to grow. Uh, as far as, mm, I don't know. I'm feeling a finish, but maybe like late second, early third. All right, all right. <laughs> well, we are in accordance. We have Damian Maya and Tatiana Suarez getting the job done in Chile. Of course, next week we will be back to recap it, as well as UFC Liverpool and Bellator 200. A lot of fun stuff coming up next week. But I really want to shout out because my MMA wife is in for a very epic Friday. Kayla, before we um, sign off, why didn't you tell everybody why they should be looking out for MMA in San Diego? Yeah, so we're running back another epic fighting event, Epic 38. We have four titles on the line, um, not only epic titles, but a couple of state titles as well. We've seen a lot of these athletes grow, like a Trevor Wells, like a Juliana Miller. Um, You know, they're all very close, a few fights away, I'm sure, you know, from making their pro debut. So um, I'm very excited to see this card. There There are 22 fights on the card. Five of them are female fights. They're really trying to showcase the female amateur talent. Um, so yeah, definitely check out my social media on fangirl underscore MMA, as well as Epic fighting. You can look them up and find their Facebook, which I believe they should be streaming some video, um, as well as on their Instagram and Twitter. Um, but it's going to be a fun night. You'll be missed G, but I have a stand in Juliana's brother. I met his, I met their mother actually in the gym the other day and he is a, um, a student going to school to work, uh, work camera work. So he's going to be standing in for you and helping me with the camera, getting some experience for himself too. I feel like I've just been replaced. (laughs) It's not replaced. I just said a stand in. I was hoping you could come uh, to and help him and teach him. 
I, you, I was going to send you an, imp- uh, an apprentice. <laughs> I promise that I will be back to help you. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Um, so fangirl underscore MMA fans. You can find me all the time at double G on TV. Just fill out the word double. We'll be back next week to recap all the MMA action and give you the latest news. Until then, have a great one. <laughs>